What's up, everybody? My name is Lamont, and welcome back to the God is My Source podcast. We bridge the gap between God, money, health, family, relationships. We know the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, so we can root everything back to the word of God. I got my man, Mr. Michael Witherspoon, on the line today, the man, the myth, the legend. How's everything going for you today? Man, I'm great, man. I'm so glad to be here with you and uh, looking forward to sharing and chatting and talking uh, with and, and just being having something edifiable for your listeners, man. Man, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. He took a lot of time out today to come and talk with us. Pastor Michael Witherspoon, <laughs> I, I, I almost forgot about that. Pastor, when the man of God is going, he's going to share the word of God on us. He's going to let us know what's going on. He's been in the music industry for about 30 years now. World-class drummer, producer, consultant, two-time author. He's a speaker and a label executive. So we're going to talk to him about everything that God has taken him through, how he's able to be able to root God back to everything that he does, how he put God first. We're going to start off with a word of prayer. We're going to get right into this conversation. Yep. Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you for this podcast. We thank you for Lamont. God bless him. Let the listeners be edified, God. You get the glory in everything we do, every conversation, every utterance, every thought, um, every every uh, topic, God, that is brought forth, God. Let it be led back to you and so that the people are edified and that you are glorified. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Appreciate you for coming on. Can't thank you enough. Mr. Witherspoon has been done a lot, a lot of great things. He actually, he's the uh, director of A&R for Kingdom Records, and he's the senior director of creative arts at New Life Covenant in Chicago under Pastor John F. Hanna. So he's been around here doing a lot for the kingdom. So he's going to be able to show us how music, because how I met Mr. Witherspoon was kind of ironic. He was talking to us a lot about the uh, value of leadership in music and how people who make music are the number one influencers in the world. And we listen to music so loosely and we don't pay attention to a lot of things we've done. So how did God lead you into the music industry? What's your testimony and how did you get to where you are today? Got it. Well, first of all, I was director of A&R with Kingdom Records. So that was five. And now I am uh, president of uh, uh, new Life Global Music, which you're going to be launching a new record label under uh, New Life, uh, oh, Pastor wow. John Hanna. So that's going to be coming out. Um, and then in between that, I was the president of uh, 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 the Well Media Group under Dr. Matthew Stevenson, All Nations Worship Assembly. So my label experience is pretty vast, but I'm still currently in that position, senior director of, of uh, creative arts for, for New Life. But in my path, um, you know, it really started, I've, all, I'm, I've always been to church all my life, man, and both my parents are preachers. They don't, they're not pastors, but my mom is an evangelist, my dad is an elder, and when my mom would uh, go out and speak at different churches, she would take me and my brother with her, and I would be on drums, and my brother would play organ, and we would do the sermonic solo, just instrumental, <laughs> uh, for her before she would speak. And that was a way of her imparting into us, you know, and that's the key, man. First of all, I want to talk to every parent that's on here. Uh, you got to make sure you know what's in your children because their first impartation has got to come from you. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't, then it's going to come from the world. Mm-hmm. So my mom knew even before we even had an interest and in, in thought about being in the music industry, she knew what was in us and made sure that 
through church, she kind of steered that for us, even when we was kids. And then after that, man, I really uh, played at church, man. Loved going to church. We played at church and grew up Church of God in Christ, man. And, you know, back then, we was in church all the time, mm-hmm. you know, uh, three, four times a week, you know, all day on Sunday. And we loved it, man. We played for church, played for the choir. Uh, and God just touched me, man. And I just got, I got really good literally overnight. Um, and then artists would come to our fourth Sunday musicals and see me playing, see my, me and my brother playing, uh, Daniel Weatherspoon, and uh, ask us to do records, ask us to do concerts, ask us to go out of town. So I did my first record, I was 15. Mm. And then I went, did my first tour, I was 16. And uh, I would leave high school, man, get on the road, uh, fly out, fly back in school on Monday morning. Summertime, I was on the road. Christmas break, I was on the road. And then I just got got better, got more exposure, got a lot around, around a lot of high-end artists, and it just God just breathed on it, man. And then as I got older, I started doing speaking on how to be a minstrel and uh, musicianship, and uh, God just expanded that, man. And then uh, I had positions offered to me, like ne- none of the positions that I've had in the church I've applied for. Um, Valley Kingdom, they asked me to be the minister of music. Dr. Stevenson sought, sought me out um, to be his pastor of worship. Pastor Hannah uh, and Dr. Glenn reached out to me to be over creative arts at New Life. So man, God has just positioned me uh, for this, but it started in humble beginnings and just loving uh, music and just loving being in church. That's amazing. And, and it's funny too, cause I taught myself how to play the drums. I was like 12 years old. Like I'm not like amazing, but I'm 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 good enough. You feel yeah. me? So like <laughs> for you to be able to do all that at the age of 15, 16 years old is amazing. What the Bible said, your gift will make room for you and bring you before great men. And that's exactly what happened, as it seems like. You started, you just was playing, you just was playing for God. And then people just like, who is that on the drums? Matter of fact, yeah. uh, who is parents? Like, let, let, let's bring him with us. Yeah, that's exactly what happened, man. And, you know, the funny thing, I wasn't good when I started. I was afraid to actually play in front of people. But I kept going, and God literally just touched me and my brother literally overnight, man. And, you know, he, I think because of our love for church and just wanting to be there, um, God just found two young individuals that he said, I'm going to bless them. I'm going to touch them. Uh, and then the prayers of my mom and my dad, you know, uh, that was effective, you know, and just making sure that we stayed in the, in the, in the reach of God, man, and the respect uh, of God and church, man. And just, uh, he breathed on us, man. And I really, that's really what happened. I also was in a, in the uh, school symphonic band. So I learned how to read through that. I, play, I was in the brass section. So that helped me as well, broaden my uh, capabilities on music. So I, you know, I, you know, for you parents out there, just people that's interested in music, make sure you listen to more than one genre. You know, get yourself involved in different categories of music to learn what they are, how they in- intertwine, how you can mix them into what you're doing. So all of those things helps me. Oh, that's amazing. And then it led you to getting all these leadership positions, being mm-hmm. a president of different labels and being able to involve yourself in the top level of uh, leadership mm-hmm. at these different uh, ministries too, as well. How did 
your love for music into you up into the leadership position? Well, it kind of started off in high school. So when I was traveling, uh, one of the first artists I was traveling with was Ben Tanker. Okay. And Yolanda Adams. And so they were all on the same record label. Ben Tanker was vice president of Tribute Records in Nashville. And he had Yolanda Adams on there. And so I was playing with both of them. And I sat under him and learned about the record industry under him. Uh, Dennis Cole from the Chicago Gospel Analysis Guild as well. Um, and some of the various artists that I was playing with, Michael Houston, Tyrone Dickerson, music directors, I should say, that was helping me uh, learn about the industry. Uh, and that's what got me involved in it. Uh, also just being a speaker, you know, it's not many musicians that really can talk on uh, uh, music topics and be a speaker where they can share things. Um, a lot of our musicians, their approaches behind the scenes are on their instrument. But what helped me, man, is that I went to college and my prayer in college was, I didn't want to struggle like a lot of the musicians I had seen, running from church to church, gig to gig. I said, God, allow me to be a full-time musician and have a full-time job. And he did that. And I got the exact job I wanted in higher education. Uh, and then I was blessed to have jobs that would let me take off to be a musician, let me take off to do concerts, leave early for work, uh, I mean, for, for rehearsals. And um, so because I had that background in higher education that helped develop me speaking, it translated into the church. So me doing presentations for admissions, cultural diversity, uh, uh, transfer centers, minority achievement, minority recognition, those type of things putting those speeches and presentations together for higher ed translated to the church. So when I had to speak at the church on a topic of musicianship, uh, Levites, uh, leadership, I was already equipped. So uh, that's how that happened, man. Yeah, that's, that's how it happened. And so many people, they like, when they equate ministry, they just always think, like you said, like my uh, your family members, they weren't pastors but they were preachers like so many people think that like that all go hand in hand like if you preach or if you in ministry or if you have a ministry that you're a pastor and right. you showcasing and showing that no you can still do the work of God and still do ministry work without actually being the person who's in charge of the church absolutely man see here's the problem with the black the black church the body of Christ and, and one of the problems in my opinion is that we don't have enough under shepherds See, mm -hmm. I'm a pastor, but I'm an under-shepherd. I don't have my own church. I've not been called to start my own church. I have no desire to start my own church. We actually don't need more churches. We need more under-shepherds. we got enough churches. And actually, the pandemic then closed most a lot of them down. That probably should not have been open from the beginning, all right? Mm -hmm. Because a lot of our pastors started churches with the wrong spirit. They, they started churches they weren't called. They started churches out of offense or they started churches because they were looked over at the previous ministry, or they were promised the church and didn't get it, they gave it to somebody else. So you started a church in the fence, but you really wasn't sitting. Now, everybody's not gonna be T.D. Jakes, but the, a church, the church is not supposed to be a currency exchange, like you got one on every corner, or a liquor store, like you got one on every corner. Who are you? A lot of these churches should be, uh, should, should be in unity and community with one another. And then a lot of these people that have started churches should have been under shepherds because the people in the church need to be ministered to. The pastor can't minister, the senior pastor can't minister to everybody. So I'm a pastor of creatives. 
So I shepherd those creatives at New Life, the singers, the dancers, the musicians, spoken word, um, uh, drama, all of that. I, I, meant, I, I pastor them and shepherd them so that the weight of it is not so much on the leader. So I can pray with them, counsel them, advise them, lead them, uh, give advice, those type of things. And we need more of those. So you're right. We don't need everybody that's a pastor is not meant to be a senior pastor. No, definitely. Because now, like you said, like I remember one day I was talking to one of my friends and he was that was one of his arguments. He was like, well, if if Jesus real, then why y'all always got different churches and why y'all got all these different denominations and this, that, and the third? Like y'all know y'all don't even know what y'all supposed to believe. How we supposed to know what we believe? And that sat with me like really tough because it was like, man, like why is the body of Christ so divided? Why is everybody like, it seems like a spirit of pride is trying to block us from getting to that kingdom advancement level that God really wants us to get to. Because like you said, everybody wants to be Moses. Like when Moses's father-in-law came and said, you can't be like over all of these people, it's millions of people. And then when he asked God, say, hey, God, I need some help. He said, all right, choose the leaders who you choose and think that, you know, who are capable of doing the different things that you are doing. I'm going to put your spirit on them. And we got to really start adapting to that type of behavior, as I'm understanding what you're telling me, by being in that position so that we can be able to grow and we can reach souls because that's what ultimately Jesus had died for. He died for us to have life and life more abundantly and for us to be able to tell each other how to do that. But if we still having our own battle within our body, how are we going to win souls? Absolutely. That's one of my favorite passages, man, in the book of Exodus. Uh, and I talk about that heavily in my book, uh, The Cost of Indecision, man, which where uh, I spent a, a chapter on that talking about choosing the personnel and making sure that you set people in place and that the issue with the church really is a personnel issue we got the wrong people in position and then when we find the people that the wrong people are in position we don't do anything about it we get rid of the people that's supposed to be there and keep the people that shouldn't be there um and that's a big issue with the church because we don't and we don't get the help that we need because we want to do everything a lot of it is the spirit of pride um, and then a lot of these churches have been started off with a spirit of offense, which is why we have, uh, last time I checked, about 23,000 approximately Protestant denominations in the world, all coming off the same Bible, but a different movement. And a lot of this is just uh, issues, offense, uh, issues over interpretation of scripture, doctrine. Uh, a lot of this is just a spirit of pride where we're just starting our own independent movements. And we are scattering the sheep in the process. And we're just recycling members. Uh, it's no new converts for the most part. It's just people just swapping churches, changing members. They tired of this pastor, they offended with this situation, they go join this church. The pastor died, they go join this other church. They get, get offended here, they get mad here, they go join this other church. So we all just swapping members. It's just a, the body of Christ has become a big swamp around as opposed to there's enough sinners in the world to get but we ain't doing nothing to get them because everything we're doing is in house. And we like missing stuff. Like we, we, we get in a position to where so much stuff like bypassing the church and we not in position to be in like, not necessarily like leadership in the church, but leadership in the world. Like when, 
when they chose Daniel Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, like they were talented or whatever they were, whatever the king at that time was picking people for, he was picking these people so that they can be able to do different things within the country. And so once you notice that they were talented, you notice that, that it kind of like builds a bridge and understanding like what's going on now. People that are talented, they put in front of the people to do different things, whether it's singing, whether it's dancing, whether it's being an athlete. It never tells us exactly what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Daniel were doing, but it tells us that they were talented and they were chosen to be in this group of elite people. But then when they decided to not follow what the king had said, they were like, no, we serve God. We don't serve everything else that you got going on. Now you put a yourself in a situation where you showcase what God has in front of us, what God is going to do for us. And now when Daniel going to the lion's den, he come out, they say, I don't care what y'all talking about, whatever God Daniel served, that's the God we gonna serve. When Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego went into that furnace and they seen the fourth person and they knew they sent three people in there and they like, wait, they not dying? Like what is going on? Whatever God they serve, we need to serve. But if we're not putting ourselves in position to actually do that, we hindering everyone else too as well. Absolutely. You know, and the, the interesting passage of uh, scripture from the uh, fiery furnace with the, the three the, the Hebrew boys is this. When they were getting ready to get thrown into the furnace, they told the soldiers and the king, they told him, they said, we, our God is able, but even if he doesn't, he is still God. Mm -hmm. He is still able. Even if he don't save us, he is still God. He is still able. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that you have to remember, that their hearts were so sold out and convicted to the Lord, um, that even if God didn't save them, he was still God. And... Um, and so that's how our faith has to be. That's how our walk has to be. That's how our belief has to be. Um, that we, no matter what fire, what issue we're facing, even if we don't get the outcome that we want, even if he don't spare us, he still got it. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And, and if we don't really understand that ourselves, how are other people going to understand? Yeah, absolutely. Like that's the true like, question. Like, how are we going to be the people of influence in the world, like like we just labeled, like Daniel, he was a person of influence. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they was per people of influence at that time. And they were able to showcase the glory of God. But if we don't showcase the glory of God and we doing the same thing as everybody else in the world, we're not going to get nowhere. Like I seen something today. It was a, a, a highlight. I don't know what, it, what show it was from, but it was Tom Brady. I don't know Tom Brady's religious beliefs or whatever, but he was stating how his wife is a good witch and she does different things for him before games so that he wins. Mm -hmm. And then to the average eye or the average person, it just go over your head. But we've been right. taught this in the body. We like, nah, you can't get through God unless you go through Jesus. So like, what is y'all doing over there? Talking about building altars and all this different stuff. Like, I don't know what's going on. Like, there's some questions that need to be asked. Like, cause y'all doing something that ain't supposed to be done, but nobody's asking these questions and nobody's in position to be like, no, nah, y'all not, we're not supposed to be doing that. So now what if other people that aren't rooted in the word of God, 
they think that, oh, well, Tom Brady, he just said he does this. He said he uses the stones to get successful. He does different things to get successful. He does different rituals to get successful. That sound like Israel when they was taking their captivity to me when they was doing all the stuff like the other nations. Yeah, you know, and you got to be careful about who you link up with. You know, that's interesting that you mentioned um, the children of Israel. I did a study on um, divorce. And, and one of the things that I found, one of the definitions of divorce uh, is captive. And, hmm. and being held captive means uh, you've been captivated. Or actually the word captive comes from the word captivated. Mm. Um, when you look at the word captivated, one of the synonyms to captivated is to be bewitched or to be enamored. And so one of the things that the problems that the children of Israel had is that they under captivity or under being cap under captivity, they became captivated by the ways of the Egyptians. So when they got out into the wilderness, they took with them practices that were not of God, but practices that the children of Israel, I mean, uh, that the Egyptians did because they were held captive or they became bewitched by their ways. And so they mm -hmm. took things out and started doing things, one of which was divorce, because from the beginning, God said in the gospels that it was not so, uh, that I created marriage, but the, from the beginning, divorce was not so, because I didn't create that. Man loosed that, so it was loosed. Man introduced that, so it was introduced. And so you're absolutely right about the children of Israel. You have to be careful who you link up with because who's captivating who? Uh, who's mm -hmm. learning the ways of who? Uh, who's being enamored by who? And so you have to be careful who you link your heart up with, who you attach yourself with, who you get soul ties with, who you link up, who you go into covenant with because whose practices are you learning and executing theirs or yours God's or Satan's and that was and that's what he used like he he deceived us like we might be thinking we're doing something else and nah that's not what the word of God say and then we, we don't pick up the word of God we don't pick up this Bible and actually read it we just go to church on Sunday like we gonna get bamboozled <laughs> we're gonna start thinking that like yeah, manifestation is real. You can manifest it, but you can't just be just doing stuff like, but that's a topic for another day. We gotta go probably get on that heavily, but that's just just identifying some things that the body of Christ can pick up, mm -hmm. just like the Israelites picking up different things, uh, the Moabites, uh, the Canaanites, the different I people were doing, and God like, nah, I, I separate y'all for a reason. And he was telling them, like, as they going in, in the wilderness, he's like, yeah, they do this. They do witchcraft. They do this. They do that. Don't do it. He's telling them as they go along, don't mingle with these people. Don't have children with these people. Don't marry these people. And what happened? They start doing it anyway. And then when they start doing it, it put them in a position to keep getting put in captivity. Mm -hmm. So one thing you, that uh, you talk about a lot, like I said, we're talking about how musicians influence the world mm -hmm. how would you say that musicians are the greatest influencers on in the world yeah music is a universal language man so math is the other universal language so math speaks to the intellect it speaks to the mind but music speaks to the heart speaks to the soul so 
two ways that we're influenced is through science side, math, and through the heart side, to the spirit side, to music. Um, when you begin to look at Lucifer, Lucifer in the Bible, now this is pre-Satan now. So in the book of Ezekiel, it gives a description of him. It says that not only was he made of precious stones, but he was made of two instruments. He was made of pipes and then he was made of tambourines. That means he was made, he had harmony in him and he had rhythm in him. All right, harmony deals with disposition, how you feel, and then rhythm deals with how you respond, mm -hmm. all right? Mm -hmm. And so music determines how people feel and how they're gonna respond. That's why you have to be careful about what music dominates your playlist because you're gonna be beginning to exude the characteristics of that music. So the reason why our young people act the way they act now is because of the music they're listening to. Um, because they're putting things in their spirit and their spirit then has to respond to it and it has to recall what they've been deposited. And so it's the music. This is why Michael Jackson and other Rolling Stones and other artists were able to do concerts in other countries. People did, couldn't speak English, but they knew the song in English. Why? Because the music is able to transcend languages. Music is able to transcend demographics. Music is able to transcend nations. And so music is the biggest influencer. And so whoever controls the music controls the hearts of the people. Whoever controls the music controls the response of the people. And so that's why that is so important. Lucifer was set aside that when he walked, sound came out of him. He was heard before he was seen. And so music is, sound is what gets God to respond. No other cherub was made like that. And so Lucifer was set aside made by the hands of God directly with instruments in him. And so anytime that the enemy wants to control things on earth, one of the ways that he does it is through music. Man, that's powerful because like we, we hear that all the time and we heard that growing up, like they said, that's the devil's music. That's the devil's music and y'all shouldn't be listening to it. But we just like bypassed it a little bit. Like we just thought that we could just like, nah, we can listen to it. but. You don't know how it influences your subconscious. You don't know how it influences your soul. Now you got two things pulling. One thing pulling like saying, I can do this. One thing pulling saying, I can do this. And you don't have no true root. And it's all because of what you eat. Yep. Absolutely. It's all about what you deposit in. So we got to pay attention to what we're putting in our uh, bodies now. Like, Mr. Witherspoon telling us, like, what's up with the music? He's been doing this for 30 years. He already understand that, like, behind the scenes, like, certain label executives probably have, like, different things, like, different sounds that probably command your attention differently in, uh, when you hear different things or different uh, uh, symbolizations or different instruments that are used at certain times to get into your system a specific way so you will pay attention to some specific maybe have words in the background that you don't even know what's coming in but mm -hmm. if we're not paying attention to and how to get prepared for this we're gonna get caught off guard and then you are the author of two books yeah two powerful books your Thank books you. are titled the i don't want to get them wrong
The cost of indecision and the notes to a leader. So let's talk about the cost of indecision right quick, because so many times we just make decisions off of just the top of our heads, for real, for real. And we're not paying attention that every time we utilize our time in an improper way to make an improper decision, we can make ourselves go back a few steps. So what caused you to to start to want to write about the cost of indecision? Well, it was when I was uh, hired to be Minister of Music at Valley Kingdom. And so in 2010, I knew I was getting a position. I was going to be announced in January 2011. So during that time in September to December, God had shared with me to write a uh, start putting together a presentation. And he said to me that uh, people in the music departments around the world, they're put in position without being trained. Mm. So they don't know what they're supposed to do. Um, but they're getting given leadership positions or being put in the choir and praise team, hired as musicians, dancers, and don't know what their spiritual assignment is and where it came from. So I began to put together a four week uh, training session where I presented it to the church and everybody in the music ministry and all those that auditioned had to take it before they could be released to minister. And then it, from that, I started getting speaking engagements for conferences and workshops and every time I started getting a chapter to add on to it, a chapter to add on to it. So uh, it took that book took five years to finish. Oh, wow. I released it in April of 2016, actually. Um, I was done with it in 2015. And um, and I started writing it in, in 20, 2011. And uh and it's a book about music leadership, but not just about leadership and music, but all of the entities that's attached to the music ministry. When, when a church has a healthy music ministry, the church will strive, a thrive, I'm sorry. When, it, it's, when it's, it's not well, the church is gonna suffer. Um, and so, and when they're not linked to the other entities properly, it's gonna be bad. Notes to a leader I wrote in a month during the pandemic. Oh, wow. Um, where there were 16 things that God gave me, and it's not limited to that, that a lot of leaders struggle with from any area that they're in, whether it's uh, revenge, uh, wounded trauma, addiction, overthinking, um, a succession, uh, being chosen. Um, and so 16 topics that we kind of don't, that we're going through, but because we were so busy pouring out and trying to make the world better, we don't deal with the stuff that affects us. So while we're out trying to pour into people, make leaders, build people up, pour into them, minister into them, who's, when are we dealing with the issues that we got? And so that's what that book is. It's a book for us to address the things that we're struggling with, that we don't address because we're so busy doing church work, so busy working for the Fortune 500 company, so busy working in education, so busy in the military, so busy working in government that we never get a chance to deal with things that we are facing. No, definitely. And do you believe that people are called to leadership 
or that they can acquire the skills to be leaders? It's both ends. I mean, even if you call it, you still got to be trained. Um, you st there's still things you got to learn. Um, David was called to be king of Israel um, at 15. He had to wait till he was 30. Mm -hmm. There were still things he had to learn. And it wasn't his time. Um, but then you can be trained to be a leader. But you weren't called to be a leader, but you can take leadership classes. You can take leadership seminar sessions. You can sit up under leaders. You can get mentored by leaders to where you can be imparted into. And then you can have those uh, that skill set and principles. So it's, it's both and. People that I call still got to get trained. And people that can train can, can end up getting called. That's amazing because you come from the music background where it's not like an individual. It is an individual sport. Everybody play their own instrument, but it comes together for one sound. What they say, one band, one sound. So you was able to understand like, all right, I can play the drums, but if he ain't doing whatever he's doing on the keys or she ain't doing what is she supposed to be doing as the lead singer, if the background singer's not doing what they're supposed to do, we're not going to be one unit. And I may be wrong, but I, I see that once you started to understand this more and more and more, you started to cultivate and understand like how we can all be on one accord. And that puts you in better positions because people were able to see how you were able to bring people together versus just be really, really good on your own. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, learn to be in the drummer, you know, we're the, we're the gatekeeper of the, of the band. So you can have a great, great musicians at every other instrument. If that drummer's bad, that band's gonna sound bad because we handle the rhythm, we handle the disposition, uh, the um, the response of that song. Um, the keyboardists, those that's handling the melody, the strings, they handle the disposition. We handle, we give that song uh, a, a body. We give that song uh, a persona. We give that song definition. So if we're not good, um, the band is not good. So it, it teaches you to pay attention to what every other instrument is doing or what everyone else is doing and make sure that um, you're on point with what they're doing and making sure that you dictate that in a proper manner. So that camaraderie, that, um, that paying attention to other instruments, what they're doing, how you can complement, all of that makes, makes a difference. And that's funny that you say that too, because one thing is that in our music, in our culture, everybody like the beat. <laughs> yeah, and that's controlled by the drums and I, I know one thing you had said when I had uh, first came in contact you said we think that our kids acting the way they acting because of all this different stuff but it's really because of the music right. so now if they can control the beat and then they just throw the words in there sometimes you don't even know what the words may be I know we all done listened to a couple songs before and we just like wait what did they just say and right. now we don't know we like we still listening to it, but we like, what, what, what's going on? So that's good that you just notated that and how we need to pay attention like more to just like what we listening to. So as we start to wrap up our conversation, what would you say are some things that someone who thinks that they're supposed to be going into leadership, that they should be some skills that they should be trying to hound in on so that they can be able to accept these positions? Well, the first thing, man, is you gotta be able to learn how to serve. So being a leader is not being a boss, it's being a servant. So if you can't 
serve effectively the people that you're under, meaning meet the need. A lot of times I tell leaders, you gotta be people's peace. What does peace mean? We ask God to be our peace. What we're asking him is to be our answer because there's a situation in our life that we don't have an answer for. So we need him to come and bring peace to it where then it now can be resolved, where it can now be calm, where it now can have a resolution. So if you're a leader, you need to be able to equip yourself to be able to provide answers to people. One of the first things that I do when I come into a church or department or ministry have been asked to lead something, I ask them, what problems do you have? And then my, and then I try and solve them. See, mm. and if, if you can show people that you can solve their issues before you implement a system, people will buy into you and follow you. So you have to meet the need of people first, then implement. So be a servant. How can I help you? How can I serve you? What can I fix? What can I solve? Um, and then second, man, you, you know, you got to keep your heart right. Um, don't let the position define you, define you um, and, and, and give you identity because you're more than your position. It's just one part of you. Um, and then last, man, just keep learning. You know, sit under somebody. Don't be too big to sit under somebody. Go meet with somebody. Okay, I got this position. Impart into me. What can you share with me? What advice can you give me? How can, I, how can you help me? Um, so that when you start, you're ready. You know, um, so I would just do those three things, man. Mentorship is big. Make sure y'all grab y'all a mentor. And you can't just be going up to people and asking them to be your mentor. You got to right. be bringing something to the table. Not necessarily always about doing work for them, but you can't just think that somebody, Michael Jordan going to be my mentor because I want to be the best hooper. Like that, it don't work like that. Right. So, Make sure you grab your mentor. Make sure you understand the qualities of a good leader. And if you desire to be in leadership or you know that you're called to go into leadership, make sure you do what you need to do because that's going to make you a great leader. So we got to get you on here again, Mr. Uh, with this one. I know you got to go. We got to wrap this up. But we're going to have a part two sometime soon. And I appreciate you for coming on, blessing us with your presence giving us some of your words of wisdom, shedding light on us on your testimony. And is there anything else that you want to say to the audience before we wrap up today? Man, Lamont, thank you so much for having me. I definitely want to be back for part two. We got to keep this conversation going. Um, even just talking a little bit more in depth about music leadership or positioning yourself um, or about cultivating your craft, man, um, or whatever your, your listeners will want. In that area, man, I definitely want to come back. I want to commend you for the work that you're doing, man. Keep up the great work you're doing. Stay encouraged, man. Don't get uh, down. Don't get uh, don't back up. Um, don't retreat, man. Just keep going forward because what you're doing is needed. And we appreciate what you're doing, man. So I commend you for uh, for this platform, this topic, this opportunity for people to come in and speak and share and to have these conversations that these hard conversations that we're uh, we, we don't tend to delve into or tend to avoid. We need to have them. So, man, keep doing what you're doing. Will do. By the grace of God, we're going to make this we're gonna make this the biggest thing that we can make it, and we're going to let God steer us and so we can help people put God first. So I appreciate y'all for logging on. The God's My Source podcast, we bridge the gap between the world and the Bible, bridging the gap between the Bible and the culture. So we thank y'all for logging on, and we're going to wrap up. I'm going to close out with a word of prayer. And we're going to see y'all next time.
Father oh, God, yeah. in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for just giving us the opportunity to sit with great minds, Lord Jesus, Lord, for we know that people suffer from a lack of knowledge. You told us to seek ye first the kingdom of God so we can get that knowledge. So we actually just pour into us continually, help us to observe the things that we are doing wrong so that we can change those things and help us to continually seek you before we do anything. You said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. You didn't say, seek ye first a career. You didn't say, seek ye first a business. You didn't say, seek ye first a job. You told us to seek you first. And we thank you that you have plans for us to prosper us and not to harm us. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray it is on the Shelby. Amen. Amen. So I appreciate you again, Pastor Witherspoon, and we'll see you again next time. And thank you, man. See you all again. All right. Thank you.